Welcome to a special second um, weekend edition of the Bulls Bros Podcast. I'm Bulls Bro Alex. Bulls Bro Max continues to be raging hard during his birthday weekend, and thus I am joined by Bulls Bro James. Hello, Bulls Bro James. Hello, and thank you for having me on the show and uh, popping my podcast cherry, so to speak. Yes. Welcome uh, to the pod frequent listener, and um, excited to have you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the conclusion of the Bulls season, because you didn't get to comment on that with the David episode yesterday, Um, and then we will also talk about uh, our predictions for the Western Conference uh, playoffs semifinals uh, this year, and just some other, you know, around the basketball world Western Conference-oriented things. So... Uh, I guess we should probably start with the Bulls. Um, as I said the other day, the Bulls got uh, shellacked after a very optimistic podcast episode, the last one with Max, where we said we thought that the Bulls could maybe uh, make this a series after nodding the series 1-1 and basically being the better team for the first two games. But then the, the Bucks woke up and uh, killed us. And, uh, and uh, I'm wearing a sad Bulls shirt, uh, as I often do, with the Bulls not in the playoffs anymore. Wait, what makes it a sad Bulls shirt? Just as, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I clinging to? Like, the season's over, you know? Uh, the shirt's the same. I'm it's sad. It's not an inherently sad shirt. And you anyone that sad. knows what's happening with the Bulls right now would be sad because they're not in the playoffs, and the playoffs are continuing it. without it's them. Not like, it's not like a, a shirt with Benny the Bull with, like, a sad face. No, the, that'd be some next-level stuff. I don't know. Someone should yeah. get on that. You should probably have that handy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. More likely than not, you're going to end up needing it at some point. Bull sad boy shirts. Sad boy. Available um, at the link in the Spotify description. <laughs> well, I don't want to, you know, we don't have to rehash uh, the tragedy that was the post-All-Star break Bulls season or their performance in the playoffs. Um, I didn't even watch the final game. I saw enough after a game, I think it was game three, where after all that momentum from winning game two and coming into it with all this excitement and renewed optimism and Chris Middleton being injured, uh, not excited about that, but, you know, just recognizing that level the playing field a little bit, I thought, you know, maybe we have a shot here. And they came out and just laid the biggest egg. Um, they were not attacking the basket. They were settling for shitty jumpers, like, on every possession, it seemed. Like, everyone just seemed kind of checked out. I was very confused, especially after Caruso made those comments about how they got their spirit back or whatever it was. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't even finish watching that game. I don't think I maybe watched them a, a little bit of game four and then none of game five. I remember after game three, um, texting people, probably you as well. I was like, the Bulls are not winning another game in the series. Like it's over. Yeah, that's true. But to be fair, that's kind of your default position. And who's right more often than not? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we were saying earlier about Tucker Carlson, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, no, you're right, though. I mean, that was the correct conclusion <laughs> after watching game three, um, which was just really disappointing, uh, especially after DeMar put on his Superman cape and delivered that epic game two. Uh, was I think it was game two, right? Yeah, up, 41 points. Game? Yeah. And then so, uh, he had 11 points and was minus 23 uh, in yeah, that game. Three. I feel like he was, he was spent. There, I mean, also looking at the minutes distribution, like 
you can't play these guys 40 plus minutes because not only were they playing 40 plus minutes in the playoffs, but even like the last few weeks of the season, I feel like there was not a ton of rest. Um, Donovan seemed intent on having his guys get their run in before the playoffs. I think he had that sort of philosophy of you don't want to go in uh, having not had game level, you know, competition. You don't want to get rusty or whatever, but I don't know. I saw a lot of 40 plus minute games on the, on the uh, on the stat sheet for DeRozan and Levine, mm. some of the other guys. Yeah, and it didn't help at all. Like we still lost by 20, 30 points in those last weeks to uh, all the good teams. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know what we were playing to. But yeah, it's really weird. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people, John Hollinger said this. Nate Duncan said this. Um, they're both just saying, you know, it's tough to beat anybody when you only have four good players and. Like, that's about right, you know? Because we were Talking missing Lonzo Ball. Yeah. I mean, four good players, that's a little harsh. <clears throat> is it? Like, what is Patrick Williams? Like, is he good right now? No. Can he He's be good? fine yes. now. I, you know, is this he... is one of the things I came onto this show to confront you about, Alex. I studied John Stewart's appearance on Crossfire 20-plus years ago when he <laughs> came on to confront a uh, Tucker Carlson and Paul Begala or whatever it was. I studied the tape, and I'm going to basically recreate that performance here. I'm not here to be your monkey, Alex. I'm here to talk about why Pat Williams is still an important part of this team, a future uh, part of the core. And, I, you know, I, I think you said something in the la- on the podcast yesterday about not giving a shit. I forget what the exact quote was, but it was very dismissive <laughs> of the Pat Williams playoff performance do you remember exactly what you said it was something like that yeah i just don't i don't give a shit like if you getting 20 points a game and making a lot of threes in like a 20 point blowout you know like it's like you know it's like a stat padding thing you know like all right but listen the guy is 20 years old in his first playoffs averaging 30 minutes a game you know how often a 20 year old gets that kind of run in the playoffs i actually looked it up okay how often 45 times has that happened Really? At the 25 minutes per game threshold for someone 20 or younger getting that much, getting 25 minutes a game in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess it's yes, important. Very too. specific stat. <laughs> <laughs> but he played, I mean, he averaged almost 12 points, more than five rebounds, 47% from the field. 20 years old. Yeah, look, he, I, not everyone's going to be Anthony, uh, Anthony Edwards out there. Speaking of 20 year olds that are kick ass in the playoffs, yeah. Exactly. Um,. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I don't really know. I don't, I just, it's just weird because he's like such an important part of the team in a way, but like he's obviously not ready. Like, and like whatever he's going to be, I don't know. I mean, if he's going to be Kawhi Leonard, we have to keep him. I get that. And if that's what our internal projections are, then fine. But if he's going to be Jeremy Grant, like we also, Jeremy Grant is very gettable right now. I don't really love Jeremy Grant, but. He barely played a second season. He's 20 years old. I'll say that for the fifth time. He's not going to be... I feel like Jeremy Grant's got to be his floor. Because look at Jeremy Grant from a few years ago at his age, whatever, 23, 24 season even. He was putting up pretty similar numbers to what Pat Williams has been putting up. As a 20-year-old who has missed a summer to injury, right? Didn't he miss most of the summer to yeah, injury and, and then also missed most of the season to injury. And he didn't have a preseason in 2020 because of the pandemic. There right. was no preseason. Right. So the guy, if you put it all together, that's like one full season. <laughs> but 
one full age 19 slash 20 season. Yeah, and it was a fluke injury. It was a wrist injury. It's not like something that we're we'll worried about. He got hacked by uh, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, who you have to give him credit. He handled it with a little bit more grace than Grace and Allen, no pun intended. Haha. Graceless Allen, I might call him. Nice. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's those are my thoughts on Pat Williams. I think he's still going to be a very good player. I wouldn't want to trade him unless it was for a another you know future star level player or someone that's a very good player today. Well, okay, so that's another thing. We'll we'll finish up with the Bulls and then move on. But uh, yeah, like, what is this team? We've got thirty two year old Demar Derozan. We've got twenty seven year old Bucky Need, uh, Zach Levine. We've got twenty eight year old Alex Caruso, who like is gonna like just get hurt all the time because that's just how he plays. He's like Kirk basically. Uh, and then we've got thirty uh, one, thirty two year old Nikola Vucevic. Like Vucevic turns thirty two. Three or twenty-four-year-old Lonzo Ball, of course, injured knee, but still. Yeah, several injured knees. He doesn't really finish the season a lot of the time, and it's. Yeah, they'll have know. to figure out a strategy to ration him a bit more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly what to do with him because he's so good when he's available, but he's not available a lot. I've seen a few people make this point, and I think it's very valid that he's not an all-star player but on this particular team with his particular skill set he is almost as essential as anyone else because he does three critical things that no one else really does one is pushing the pace and distributing in the transition offense and getting easy buckets that that's literally a skill that no one else really has other than i guess the occasional zach levine like one man trans uh, one man uh, you know in line that in line type of play um he obviously hits threes now at a crazy high level and a, on a high volume, which no one else can do. And he's a switchable, you know, wing defender that occasionally gets randomly thrown in at bigs, which I don't know is a good idea. Maybe partly why his injury or why his health hasn't held up. Like having to guard Giannis is probably not the best idea, but the fact that he can do that in a pinch as well as lock down most guards and um, smaller wings. So I feel like his loss can't really be understated. And the Bulls' record before he went out was, I, if I recall, like pretty damn good, like on pace for a 52-55 win season, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I like, I'd like to see you know him obviously get healthy and see what they can do with the full with the with the healthy roster. I think if this team were healthy or relatively healthy, they were probably more of a four seed than a six seed. Maybe they get lucky and get past. The Sixers or someone, wherever would have been there, round one competition. I don't know. Yeah, um, Sixers are very beatable, and Joel Embiid Seriously. always gets hurt in the playoffs, and he is again. Poor guy. I you know. I mean, injuries. Yeah, like the orbital fracture thing. Like you can't really plan for that. But like I thought it was going to be some other wear and tear thing. Like like the thumb yeah. tear that he did have as well. So right. Yeah, yeah orbital, orbital fracture is definitely not a wear and tear injury. No, that's, that's just, yeah, that's too bad. He just got smacked in the face. Um, uh, I wanted to talk also about what happened to Nikola Vucevic because he was, he's also like an X factor. And, you know, the game that we won, if I recall, he had a great shooting night and he also was rebounding and moving the ball a little bit and doing what he is good at doing. I think that, um, you know, he's actually when you know, if you look at this last few years, he's a he's a very good three point shooter. He has been a very good three point shooter. He's averaged up before this season, his last three seasons, around thirty seven ish percent from yeah. uh, from three. On, on crappy teams volume. with no expectations, but yes. <laughs> sure, but 
you know, he could say that about a few other guys. Um, and he did, for what it's worth, uh, hold his own in the in that playoff series uh, that Magic had with the Bucks. I'm pretty sure he had a pretty elite stat line there. Obviously, as a first option and getting a lot of touches, but still, yeah, um, going up against uh, Brook Lopez and Giannis and whatnot. I think he won one game against the Raptors too in a playoff series. I don't remember when, but it might have been the 2019 That's Raptors. Possible. Yeah. So, I just don't. I mean, I, I, uh, in terms of other, you know arguably cherry-pick stats, but I think this is a legit one. If you look at centers and power forwards historically that have averaged 10 boards a game, you know, 18 points or more, and hit 37% or more on, on high-volume threes, can you guess how many seasons there have been? Uh, wait, is there a volume on the threes, or is it just the percentage? Like, at least, I, I set it at three attempts per game or more. Okay, um, that's gonna be a small, small group of people. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever, but the, only ten, I, only ten seasons, Alex, and you're, and you're talking about guys like Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic, and Bead. That's that has been when he's playing at his best, when he's that twenty near twenty and ten plus guy and hitting volume from, well on on high volume from threes. That's a very, very rare skill set. So I think he's got some positive trade value at least. I just don't understand why. His three-point percentage went down nine percentage points this year. Yeah, I don't know. Like he, it didn't seem like he understood what was happening either. Remember, like in interviews early on, he would just say like, "I don't know what's going on." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's really frustrating. I mean, you can see the frustration in his, in his face and his body language. I feel bad. It seems like a nice guy. He's friends with DeRozan. Like he helped recruit DeRozan, um, and that that was huge. That's like probably the most valuable thing he did for us, really. But. When he's playing well, I, yeah, it's, it's it's just that dip in three-point shooting, which seems a little bit anomalous, and I hope that he'll be able to come back. I think he's a decent trade candidate, though. His, his salary at $22 million on an expiring deal, it seems like a lot, but in today's NBA, that's not even like a top 50 salary, and he's making less than people like uh, Al Horford and John Collins and, and Kevin Love and Julius Randle. Like, he's making less than a lot of arguably overpaid guys that I think would also have trade value, so why wouldn't he have some trade value? Interesting, yeah. Well, I don't know if Kevin Love... You can't trade well, that. He doesn't have trade value. Yeah. <laughs> but the other guys, although Al Horford has been surprisingly strong. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure... Yeah. But I agree with you, though. Like, It's not like he's going to get paid... Al Horford's not going to get paid the same amount that he's making now on his next deal. No. But I think he, but I think like some of those other, like Julius Randle, I think he might still have a little bounce back trade value and he's got still a few more years. And then you got guys like Clint Capella and Gallinari and Sabonis and people that make like around the same as Butch. Yeah, I was talking. But they can't shoot like him. Speaking of Randle, um, in a, a different text thread, Rob Pfeiffer was saying that he thinks we should trade for Randle this summer. And I was thinking, that's crazy. And then I thought about it. And I was like, you know, actually, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Is, is he a better defender than Vooch? Uh, he, he was last year. Not this year so much, but I guess. I mean, he could be. That's not his game, but, like... Yeah, he seems like... Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, he's kind of a slow, slower, methodical player. He's not, like, a quick athlete no. or protector type, which I feel like that kind of already describes Vooch, so I don't know. He's also getting paid more and for many more years. Yeah. Um, he's a big body. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it really solves anything. It's just like another guy that's like mostly offense, not as much defense, slightly right. overpaid. Uh, and in his case, he's like he already like is getting into beefs with like Knicks fans. Yeah, although I, I find it pretty humorous. I like I kind of oh, yeah. like his. He's got that bad boy attitude that it's hard not to like. <laughs> it is funny, but I would hate down. it if it was our guy. Then he and he hated his own fans, like right. But to be fair, they're Knicks fans, so they're very hateable. Yeah, very hateable, easily hateable. Except um, except for Chris Amos, loyal listener. Shout out to Chris Amos. <laughs> <laughs> what about the trade package that the that the Pacers got for Sabonis? I feel like does that? I mean, obviously Sabonis is several years younger, and. Uh, I don't know. Is he a more skilled offensive player than Bruce? I don't really think he is. And he got them Tyrese Halbert and a Buddy uh, Buddy Heel. Uh, did they get a pick? No, no, I don't think so. Well, I think it was about talent. Okay, I mean, I'd be open to that. Like, I don't really know what like this team isn't winning anything, right? So, like, whatever. Like, I don't really like either. We try to win, and we we get win now, guys, and then we should be free to move on from Paw and Booch. Or we trade Vooch and look to retool and uh, think about, I guess, a paw-centric team in a couple of years. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, like, it's weird. Zach Levine's at his peak right now, and it's like, we're just going to, like, punt. But, like, whatever. No, I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily... I think you got a a solid core of paw, Levine, Lonzo... Caruso, even you could say, like he's twenty-eight, whatever. Like these are guys that they're not. Some of them are young. I mean, obviously, Paul's young. Lonzo's at twenty-four. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Kobe White. You got Io as well, who's twenty-two, twenty, something like that. Kobe White is not a young guy. They should be good and either in or near their prime for the next like five years. So I think you know, Demar, you want to keep. If, if I mean, unless there's like a knockdown offer for him, he's just such a solid veteran presence and scorer yeah i mean i think like if he was a free agent this year he'd make about double what we're paying him so yeah we should we should keep him i would say so um but yeah between white and and vooch and uh some floats and jetson i think you got some uh possible trade options there max is on the same kick with kobe white i really don't see what the market is for this guy like he's Super erratic. He's not really a point guard, but he's not the size of a two guard. I guess he can get over screens, but he's not really a defender. He can shoot, but he crumbled in the playoffs when we desperately needed somebody to shoot off the bench. Although caveat, first playoffs, 21 years old. He's Got to give him a little bit of margin of error there. He's only 21? Really? I think so. He's super young. That's the thing. Like I think that's why he, he still has some value. Maybe he's 22. He's either 21 or 22. He shoots at a high volume from three at an above average uh, rate. He can create his own shot. He's a decent passer for an off guard. Not a point guard, sure, but he can at least, you know, distribute a little bit, drive and kick. He's, he's made some pretty nifty passes. I feel like he's got some potential there. I feel like that's why he's got value um, because this, this is a league that, you know, is starved for playmakers and shooters. I think his value to another team might be higher than to our team because you know, when healthy, we've got three other solid point guards. Um, and we have decent playmaking, you know, within reason. Um, but what we don't have is a reliable volume three-point shooter. And Kobe is not that. Even if he shoots above average, he is so streaky. I, I just, I, I don't know if you have like a stat on this, but I feel like 
for every game where he goes like five for seven, he has another one where he goes like one for six, you know? Yeah. He's 22, turns out. He's born okay, February 16th, 2000. I remember February 29th, 2000, because that's the day Machine and the Machines of God by the Smashing Pumpkins came out, and I bought it in a record store. As we all know. Of course. Well, so he's a new... He's, and he's and two against nature playing. by Steely Dan. Sorry, continue. He's barely 22. So, I think he's tradable. He still has another year in his rookie contracts. He's eligible for an extension. I would guess he would get at least $10 million a year in free agency, and he's going to make less than that on his last year, I think. So... And you have the opportunity to extend him if you trade for him. So I think he can get you something. I think that obviously, as you discussed before, the Bulls need consistent three-point shooting and they need a tough interior defender and ideally another wing defender because, you know, I don't think you can just rely on Pat Williams uh, alone and six foot four Javante Green. No, I mean, I love the Javante Green regular season, but, like, he, he was so useless in the playoffs, like... He's just He's not a player you're gonna rely on for heavy minutes in the playoffs. He can give you a good 10, 10, 12 minutes, I think. But what they need is another like, you know, sixth, seventh man type guy that can come in and give you twenty plus minutes a game, solid defense on the wing and knock down threes. There just aren't a lot of those guys in the NBA that are available. Like, do we bring Otto Porter back? <laughs> and hope that I mean he's probably gonna get paid decent money, right? I'm not touching Otto Porter, no thank you. <laughs> He was, he's been great on the Warriors in that role. Of course he's he is. giving them exactly that. Just like Bobby Portis has been great on the Bucks, Like, you know, I don't know. Exactly. I think Bobby Portis. Shit. Malik Monk? Like, I don't know. Who else is out there? Anyway. Malik Monk? No, Malik Monk is a... He's like 6'4". He's a... I'm just talking about shooting guard slash wings. I, I would like... Malik Monk's been pretty good for the Lakers. He's, like, the only good thing they had going for them this year. Uh, I guess Austin Reeves, you could say, but that guy's not... I don't know if that guy's real, but, like, he, he was okay. But uh, Malik Monk, yeah, like, sure. But, like, our priority should be defense, and, uh, I mean, our, our front line is so bad. I don't know. I, it's really it's really the front court to me that this should be the priority. I, I mean, a wing defender would be nice, too, but we have two good wing defenders when they're healthy. They're just not healthy a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the front court's been a problem. I have to admit, I was probably a little overly optimistic about the Tristan Thompson edition. I was really impressed by his first game. Uh, but as my friend Max, who's a big uh, Cavs fan, said, he's he's a fake big man. <laughs> he, Especially at this point in his career arc, he's just too small. He can't battle with the big, the actual true bigs that, unfortunately, you have to be able to contend with in the Eastern Conference these days. He's got nothing on offense. So, yeah, uh, he's not... The, he's not the answer to our third big rotation. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have any other like young upstart bigs coming. Uh, Marco is probably at least a few years away, and he's may, may never be a good NBA player. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of. I'm, what do you think of trading Gooch for Clint Capella in some kind of. Totally. Absolutely. Why would Fair. they do that, though? Why would the Hawks want Vucevic? More shooting. I'm telling you, man. Vucevic's got a rare skill set. You can't discount that. But, uh, well, I mean, if, if we could talk them into that. I mean, clearly, like, a rim-rolling center is the fix for us. And, like, that's, uh, with special exceptions, that's the kind of player that most of the league needs. And there's not a lot of them. Capella is not the same as he was in Houston, but he's still really good. And, uh, yeah, like, he'd be great. Uh, I would Capella love Capella with Lonzo Ball. I mean, I could see a lot of lobs, a lot of dunks, easy yeah. buckets. 
he'd be he'd be a perfect fit, you know, if we can't if we can't sneak Aiden away from Sarver somehow. Then yeah, probably would be like my get next a max guy. Deal, though. I don't know how you fit him in. We're here to talk about the Western Conference. That's a bit, maybe this is a good transition. Sure, Should yeah. Um, oh well, speaking of actually, yeah, we can. This is a nice way to sort of. So the um, the first round um, is over, and uh, the Utah Jazz got uh, they had a gold opportunity to, to uh, beat the Mavericks, and they blew it because of the Jazz. And uh, and so now the Mavericks, the four seed, are going to face off against the Suns, the one seed, who uh, beat a feisty Pelicans team. Um, it took them six games, but they did it, and. Uh, and so, yeah, now from the rubble of those two defeated teams, I think there's a lot of stuff we could take away. Really not um, – I don't think, like – these are crazy ideas, but well, hear me out. Zion Williamson uh, gets hurt all the time, right? He's one of the guys that, like, every basketball podcast I listen to uh, says, this guy might just take his player option and hit unrestricted free agency instead of taking the qualifying offer from his own team and – than just going into restricted free agency. Um, he could also sign an extension, which I don't think they would do because he's been hurt so much. But but if he goes into unrestricted free agency in 2023, we got Vooch coming off our books. I think DeRozan would have... I think DeRozan is a third year. But we have a lot of cap space in 2023 if we wanted. And um, would you take Zion Williamson? Um, yeah, Zion Williamson... If he can prove that he's healthy, he could be a monster, obviously. I'm a little worried about his habits and, like, body type combos. He just seems like he's a type of body type that is prone to, uh, you know, thick enough. He can, like, bulldoze anybody. He's super athletic. He can dunk on people and has a great post game, as far as I've seen, and footwork and all that. But um, I, I just don't know. Uh, and it doesn't seem like he's super disciplined. So... That doesn't seem like it's necessarily going to hold up super well. He looks like the wrong former Bulls. He looks like Jerome James and Eddie Curry. Like, that's kind of, that's the Zion Ooh, risk. You don't like, want to get the Eddie Curry comparison. I mean, Eddie Curry, well, it's not like Eddie Curry ever, like, showed the promise that Zion showed last year as an All-Star right. in his second he was, season. He was very good for how long? Two years? Eddie Curry? Yeah, sure. Um, he like, never, like, rebounded much, you know, no. for a big guy. Um and he, he had the the heart issue and stuff. and Yeah, well, Zion doesn't have that. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I was impressed by the Pelicans overall. Um, I think they have a bright future. Um, they got a nice mix of, of vets and young guys and, like, guys that are sort of in between, you know, like a Brandon Ingram who's still pretty young but now is, like, very well established and is clearly someone that you can rely on for 20-plus points a game. And he's got the size. Um, the length, etc. CJ McCollum seems like a good addition. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the Pelicans. They they still have like all their draft picks and those Lakers pick swaps. So yeah, good job on David Griffin. Come back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, that Herb that Herb uh, Jones pick has like really. Uh, I don't know if it's made up for his sins of the past, but. Uh, Wow, looking very good now. Yeah, he was a little bit before Io in the draft, right? Like, a, or was he after? Uh, a little before. He was thirty-five, and Io was thirty-eight. But there you go. Close. So, 
that, those two, two of those are, uh, yeah, those are a couple of the steals of the draft for sure. Um, the Timberwolves as well look exciting. They have a promising future. It was, it's been great to see Anthony Edwards, what he can do in the playoffs. He just seems like he could, he has like potential at the wazoo. Yeah. He reminds me of, um, or this season for the Timberwolves reminds me of that Warriors season when they like first, uh, were interesting and uh, they beat the higher seeded Nuggets and uh, they forced the Nuggets to fire head coach George Carl um, after that series because like coach of the year George Carl um, because they just got embarrassed by the Warriors in six and then Iguodala left to join the Warriors so big season but it reminds me of um, that time because Steph Curry made his first All-Star team, and then David Lee was the second All-Star that year. But it was clear that Klay Thompson was the second most important player. And, right. and the comp for that this year is that, like, Cat made the All-Star team over Anthony Edwards, and I just... It just yeah. never felt like Cat was the best guy on the team. I mean, like, he put up the stats, but then you saw yeah, in the playoffs who the most important player was, you know? Cat is an incredible player. Again, one of these super rare big men that can shoot the hell out of the ball, which... Shouldn't be understated, but yeah, it seems like Anthony Edwards has a different kind of DNA and his ability to just win and will his team to overachieve and just like super impressive athlete. Yeah, um, almost has that LeBron type of like can get in the lane and take contact and finish in all kinds of creative ways and um, just really hard to slow down. So I think they're going to be very good soon and they're still super young. Yeah, so. he's kind of a shooting guard, LeBron, which is cool. And then right. yeah, they have a uh, D'Angelo Russell um, is eligible Ooh. for an extension, uh, which is not going to happen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think and they didn't they sat him at the end of that closeout game six in favor of his backup. So I feel like if they can he figure out that. a way to move him this summer, they could really get something valuable back. I don't really I mean they need a point guard then, but right, but that seems gettable. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily part of the future, but who knows? Ricky Rubio, uh, 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. If he could come back from the ACL or whatever he was. Yeah, I think it was an ACL, yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe so, maybe don't touch that, actually. <laughs> um, should we talk about the, the actual matchups, the the uh, the players, or the, the teams that survived? We can always talk about the – I think we'll come back to the Utah Jazz roster sometime. Maybe I'll, I'll come back on the show. We can talk about – the uh, anatomy of the uh, soon-to-be-picked-over corpse of the Utah Jazz. Sounds good. I think, yeah, I was going to say that Gobert is another center that we could look at. I just don't like his contract, and, like, he is never good in the playoffs. He's so easy to scheme against that I just – I don't know why yeah. it would be different with us. Like, we need, we do need a defensive big guy, center or power forward, which we don't have right now. Sorry, Patrick Williams. He's not that guy right now. And, uh, I mean, Gobert is, you know – whatever he is, two- or three-time defensive player of the year. I, I think he's overrated, um, but he's very good. I'm not saying that he isn't. And uh, he would certainly help us win a lot of games in the regular season, but I just, you know, he can't switch out on corner threes, like, ever. And, like, it's yeah. kind of a necessary skill, you know? And he's and his offensive game is basically just dunks, right? Like, he, I, don't, I yeah. don't really watch him much, but it doesn't seem like he ever scores beyond, like, three feet from the basket. Right, and they barely trust him to do that in the playoffs. Like, they won't even feed him inside. It's crazy. 
But the, so. I mean, I think he can make that. I think it's kind of a little bit on Donovan Mitchell just not trusting him, which is like a them problem. I don't. I think Gobert is better than that, but not much. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he certainly can can finish inside the paint. But uh, I would be open to it. Um, maybe he just needs like a, just a new uh, a new city, and uh, we could work with him on coming out to the perimeter i don't know i don't know but like i'm open to it but it's not my first choice or even my second choice anyway yeah um should we talk about the team that won that series a little bit yes so what their odds are so we've got mavericks um sons uh i think that starts tomorrow that series the sons have devin booker but uh they don't have 100 percent devin booker they have whatever 75 percent of devin booker yeah i'm saying man all these hamstring injuries Everyone's got a pulled hamstring. Kyle Lowry's got it. Everyone's hamstrings injured. I think, I think um, Booker's hamstring was the injury, but he came back. I could be wrong. He came back. He wasn't that great in the closeout game, but he uh, created space for them inside, which really helped. Because like you know, uh, the Jazz had to respect Booker, so they could. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't take a ton of shots. No, but he did make. I think most of the shots he took. I think he had a pretty. Okay, game. I don't know about that, but he, I think he only shot like twelve times. He took a he made a big three. Mm-hmm. Let me look I mean, this up. The Suns are the Suns are very very good. I think that they would be the favorites to win if Devin Booker was healthy, but he is not. To win they the finals, the, I mean, to win the whole thing. They might be the only team that had a top five offense and top five defense by offensive and defensive rating. Really? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, but I mean, well, the Warriors probably, if if they had um, Draymond Green the whole season, would be in there too. Probably. They ended up 16th in offensive rating. The Warriors um, did? Yeah. Wow. But their defense was still great without being at full health. That is not the uh, outcome I would expect. It. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. he's a big part of their like passing, um, but still. Uh, okay, so yeah, um, Booker was five of twelve, but he was one of six from three. Whatever. I mean, first game back, thirteen points. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Suns are going to be still a very tough out. Um, they got Chris Paul with the, the chip on his shoulder has only grown. It's a huge chip. Um, Chris Paul, he yeah. went crazy in that game too. Yeah. Fourteen of fourteen from the field. I did watch that game. That is one of the few games, non Bulls games, I've watched, and uh, I watched some of that. I was very impressed. It's a good game to watch. A lot of mid range jumpers. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, I don't. They don't have much, many flaws. When they're healthy, they don't have a lot of flaws. They got defense. They got Michael Bridges, obviously one of the best wing defenders in the game which we drafted him. Uh, they've got some interior presence. They've got JaVale McGee off the bench, probably one of the best backup bigs in the NBA. I love JaVale McGee. He's my favorite backup big for sure. <laughs> He's awesome. It's... He destroyed the Bulls. So maybe that's partly why I have the outsized idea He's just... in my head. But... Yeah. He's exactly what we, what any, anybody needs. I remember like last year with Phoenix, like they had nothing when Aiden got into foul trouble. They had, like, Frank Kaminsky and um, Dario Saric. And I think Saric was hurt in the playoffs. Saric got a bad injury, yeah. I think he's out of, off the team now, thank goodness. But um, he was bad. Like, uh, Kaminsky was yeah. bad, too. 
And then Kaminsky, I think, got hurt in the series. And so, yeah, they really didn't have much behind um, Aiton. But now they've got McGee and Biombo, who, when you give them a lot of minutes, like, still, like, pulls down a lot of rebounds and stuff. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, like, that's, like, just a huge improvement for their backup center spot, which is, like, a small thing, but it's exactly the kind of tinkering they should have done. And then they yeah. let they let Torrey Craig walk in free agency, I think, to the Pacers, and then they traded back for him. So... Right. Oh, they have right. So they have him again. Yeah, they're yeah. they're deep. They have Cameron Johnson, right? That's yeah, a, who's been good. Three point shooter. They got Landry Shamit. They they traded for Landry Shamit. Came back. Uh, what's his name? Campaign has had kind of a a down year, but he's still a decent backup point guard. And then, obviously, Chris Paul, perennial, you know, floor general, doing yeah. his thing. I think he led the league in assists again this year. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he's uh he's amazing. He's thirty six. Uh, transitioned to an all plant diet and uh, man, just that revitalized. Yeah. And important apparently enforcing a, a a curfew on his players in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, which is smart so, because of the COVID stuff. I mean, you know, like p- right. players have missed uh, games because of the coronavirus in these playoffs. Basically, they don't really test that much, but if someone is symptomatic, they do test. And so. Zach was symptomatic. He got it bad, and then cost, uh, cost the Clippers the freaking game right Paul, Paul George. George right and then um Bam and Bio missed uh, a game I think because of it mm-hmm. so yeah so anyway uh it could be Chris Paul's year I don't know does he deserve a championship I think that's a talking point people <laughs> like to try it out does he deserve one he hasn't gotten one hell yeah he's been he's had a pretty tragic career in that respect I mean like some of those Clippers teams did that to themselves right but like uh he's also been snake bit a couple of times but it's yeah. definitely been his fault a couple of times. I don't know. He's been through it now. I mean, I think last year they really could have won. Like, they kind of messed up a little bit, too. But he was also uh, hurt by that time. Because he always gets hurt in the playoffs because he's tiny. But does uh, if, he wins a, if he wins a ring, does he leapfrog uh, Charles Barkley as greatest Phoenix son? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How many years was Charles Barkley even in Phoenix? Maybe like seven. How many years was Chris Paul in Phoenix? But true. That's true. Five. I'm just saying. Uh, and I think I like in that. both their first years, they went to the finals. So, um, I I don't think so. I think Devin Booker is going to be in the running, though. You know, if he oh, sticks man. around, I think Devin well, Booker could be the best son. At the at this rate in his career, yeah, he could, but I don't know. I mean, Steve Nash. Chris people love Steve Nash. Oh right, who am I kidding? Steve Nash. And Amare uh, was in Phoenix for a long time. Right, but you know, Sean I don't Marine. mean the Chris Paul years of Phoenix. I just mean greatest player to put on a Suns jersey, maybe. Right, but then also like like what they did with the team. So it's like a combination of like yeah. who they were at their peak and then what they gave to the Suns. So that's a tough mm-hmm. one. But he's got to be. He, turned them, he took them from a, a lottery team into a top seed. Into the finals. That's pretty team. insane. Possibly two straight years. So uh, yeah, sorry. We should talk about the series before uh, we get off yeah, the rails right. too much. So yeah, uh, they're playing the Mavericks. Luka Doncic was hurt for what two games, three games in the series, uh, the first series of the Jazz. Yeah, and um, yeah, might have been three. Doncic, what do we think? I mean, the Suns, like we were saying, are super well rounded, deep, got talent at every position, pretty much. The Mavs, on the other hand, pretty top heavy. I mean, they have a little bit of depth. Uh, Jalen Brunson, obviously has turned it up a notch and every single game he seems to be adding another few million dollars to his next contract unrestricted uh, free agent yeah yeah 
he's gonna be a twenty plus million dollar guy a year now. I think after definitely after this uh, playoffs. Um, so good on him for rejecting that initial, I think, four-year, fifty-five million dollar contract extension that they were discussing. And oh yeah, good call. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, Doncic is just so sick, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, do you know that he's he's in top three in points per game in the playoffs of all time? Obviously, he is? A young career. Yeah, he averages almost thirty-three a game in, in his playoff experience so far, and like a near triple double. That's crazy. I mean, you know, offenses are faster. You know, like all the, the modern sets, modern players are sort of favored by the way the game is played now, right? I don't know. Yeah, but is Dallas a, a high-paced team even? He's not like a fast player. No, he's not. But In fact, he's a big look, part of their I have, offense. I have, I have the stats in front of me. Dallas was dead last in pace this year. That makes sense. So, I mean, that was my big knock on him when he came out. Everyone was saying he's going to be a stud, and I said, ah, he's so slow, though. He's so slow. But he's so slow and good. At, at yeah, I was wrong. But. Shiftiness and, uh, yeah, just taking people off the dribble in, like, really creative ways, passing. He's got eyes in the back of his head. He's he's something. I don't know if he, they have enough to beat the freaking Suns thing. Yeah, so, okay, so we can make our predictions. Um, yeah, the Suns got revitalized when they traded for Spencer Dewitty and um, the contract of um, Davis Bertans. What did I say? He said Suns. Did I? The Mavs were revitalized. <laughs> <laughs> the Mavs were revitalized in their uh, trade for um, Spencer Dewitty and uh, Davis Bertans from the Wizards, uh, and they, they gave him the Porzingis contract. And... Uh, Obviously, no one really liked Porzingis. The guy seems like a dick, so, like, you know, right. good on them for getting off of him. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Dinwiddie was revitalized, too, in Matt, in uh, in Dallas, and he's, like, a great third guard. So we had him. He was a bull for a second, and then we decided to prioritize um, somebody. I don't remember who we kept over him, but it was the wrong choice, whoever it was. It wasn't Marcus Teague, was it? Oh, my God. It might have been. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, so I think I think that I would love to see an upset just because I like upsets, but I also wouldn't be mad at seeing CP3 get his, you know, another step towards his first ring. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see anything other than Suns and, like, Six, right? No, I actually am kind of called Mavericks and Six. I want the Suns to win, oh. but after what I saw against uh, the Pelicans... Wow, I was going to... I was... Yeah, I guess I did say Suns and Six, so I guess I should stick with that. I just, I don't, I want the Suns to win. I don't like the Mavericks. I don't like Jason Kidd. Like, I never really liked Luka that much. Um, But uh, I just, it's just the kind of thing that Chris Paul would do. So I just, uh, I don't know. I have no confidence in Chris Paul right now. I'm going to say say. Suns and Seven. (laughs) You know, okay, okay, that's fine. Because I forgot about the injury, too. Yeah, that's Um, the thing. I think that's going to be a tight series. It is. I, if the Suns were healthy, they would win, but they're not. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's we'll see what happens. I want to be wrong, though. Don't get me wrong. I do not have any love for Dallas, so I would love to be wrong. I don't know why you're you're not on the Luka train. He's so fun to watch, too. He's great. Um, I just... 30-point uh, triple-double. I don't think he's just another Westbrook. I don't think he's an empty stats guy. 
No, he's. I mean, knock on Westbrook. He's better, but well, well, he could be better. It's not fair because Westbrook's had a full career, but um. Right. Yeah, he could I definitely mean, be better. Westbrook was sick for his Yeah. Um. All right. Should we talk about the other? I would argue maybe more exciting series. Well. We'll talk about it, but yeah, uh, we should. Uh, so we got Warriors. The, the um, oh, sorry, the 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 top seed actually, the two seed would be the Grizzlies, who just yeah. came off of a really fun chippy series against the Timberwolves. They won in six yeah. um, against the Golden State Warriors. Um, it's a new look Warriors. They got Jordan Poole. They got Andrew Wiggins. This they got that same core um, with a healthy-ish Clay Thompson, healthy-ish Stephen Curry, and a healthy-ish Draymond Green. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got depth with uh, our old buddy Otto Porter and um, uh, Nemanja Bielica has been okay, whatever. And they got um, Kevon... Iggy's out. Iggy's out a couple games. He's their like floor coach. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No um, Iggy. Uh, Kevon Looney is the starting center, I think. So is he still? Yeah. They, like, didn't they switch into like the death lineup and make that their starting lineup at some point? Pool and Wiggins and uh, Draymond at center. Yeah, against the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Draymond at center, Wiggins at the four. Yeah. Point being, they're good. They're they're battle tested. Um, I don't know. I I think the the Grizzlies are a really exciting up and coming team. Um, Desmond Bain is a lot better than I realized. Um, he, I think he led them in scoring in this past series, and he shot 43.6% on threes this past year, and 43% the year before that. He's actually obviously only two seasons into his career, but he's sixth all-time in three-point percentage at age 21. Wow. He's awesome. Um, it's such a fun story, too, because I love it when it's like a weird – like he's sort of like a – Like he's like he's only shooting guard size, but you feel like he'd be more of like a three or a four. But like yeah, it's got that like PJ Tucker type of body. Yeah, exactly. Right? So he I love those guys like that that don't fit necessarily into a traditional role, and then they just become awesome. He was the thirtieth pick too in uh, I think twenty twenty. Really? Yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, he's a real steal in the draft, and obviously John Morant is like he's watching him makes me a little bit sad because it reminds me a little bit of Pete Derrick Rose and the way he can like get to the rim and contort his body and dunk on pools. Um, so, but it's also just, you know, on the flip side, we get to see someone do that, that kind of like athletic, exciting player. Um, I would say, I don't, I don't know if anyone else can really match that, that combo of like finesse and athleticism and just crazy jumping ability. And he yeah. seems like a lovable guy. He seems really fun. They they looked super vulnerable against the Timberwolves, and I wonder if the Timberwolves had a better coach. They could have won that game where they were up by 25 points two separate times. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, I, I just think against a better coach team like the Warriors, like I think the Warriors are kind of injured, but and they're cool. old. But uh, if, if uh, everyone can sort of stay healthy-ish, I think they're going to win. Uh, just the Grizzlies, like, they're just vulnerable, you know what I mean? Ja, um, he'll like play badly for three quarters and then he'll turn it up at the end or whatever. Like, uh, he's really good, but he also gets hurt a lot. I just don't trust them. They almost lost to the to the Timberwolves, and they really could have lost yeah. to the Timberwolves. They're just not. They don't have the same experience and 
almost machine-like consistency that the Warriors have. I mean, the Warriors are just, they just put on a clinic against, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter who they're playing. I think that their style and their experience also caters better to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Memphis is more of an up-tempo team. In the playoffs, everything tends to slow down. You get forced into your half-court offense more, and that's where the Warriors just, like, deliver in, like, almost scientific uh, level efficiency, the way they can pass, swing the ball around, they go inside, outside, and have shooters everywhere. And obviously, the greatest shooter of all time is Steph Curry. Um, it's hard to see a young, less experienced team overcome that, um, especially after seeing what you, we saw in that last round against the Timberwolves, as you were saying. Yeah. But, uh, and just Draymond, so I just, he just is such a unique. <laughs> talent like he's such a beast even though he he averages like a triple seven <laughs> yet yeah you take him out and they're like a whole tier worse as a team it seems it is crazy he's so weirdly uh important yeah so but he's healthy now it seems right so yeah i don't see the i don't see the the warriors losing this one in anything and then I, I i see i see warriors in probably five or six. I was going to say, yeah, Warriors in five. Yeah. I agree. I would like to see some upsets, but I don't know. I guess you're, you're seeing Mavs as the possible upset. And that's not the one I want. Like, I want the Grizzlies <laughs> to win. I just don't have any confidence in them after what we saw in the last round. Yeah. Um, but I would much rather – I'm sick of the Warriors. I would much rather have the Grizzlies uh, do something cool. And, like, they've got the horses. Like, they go 11 deep. Like, you know, it's a very talented team. Um but they're just not – it just doesn't seem that they're quite ready. So good for them. They won a series and, like, yeah. Um, but I just yeah, – yeah, the Warriors are healthy. I just don't. Is, they're going to start is, Gary Payton uh, the second at small forward for this series. They're going to have Steph and Clay in the backcourt, I guess, pull off the bench. Payton at small forward. Wiggins at the power forward. Draymond at center. So there you wow. go. There you go. Small wow. ball. So that, I, I assume the Grizzlies will yet again be relegating Stephen Adams to the bench, given that small ball. Yeah, that's position. that's another thing that's weird to me. It's like Stephen Adams is pretty good, but yeah, he got he, like two minutes total in that last series. Yeah, so. he wasn't like he's he's a liability in certain series. It's the same with Rudy Gobert. It's like you can't play those guys sometimes now. They're gonna be really useful against some of the Eastern Conference contenders because you got Joel Embiid, you got. Brook Lopez and the huge Bucks lineups. Yeah. Um, like, we could use Adams. I don't know what Adams' yeah, contract is like. I don't want to pay him too much, but uh, he'd be really, yeah, valuable in the East. Yeah. But against the Warriors, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to play much. He, he might even have an injury at this point. I'm not sure. Oh, speaking of COVID protocols, he's in COVID protocols. Oh, nice. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, um, so he's out for this game. So, yeah, uh, I think, the, the, again, the Grizzlies have a lot to look forward to. Um, I think they're going to be really good for a long time. If but, they can keep Ja healthy, which, I mean, right. that guy misses a lot of games. That's true. Although they got Jaron Jackson Jr. too. They got some other young, great players. He also misses but, a lot of games, but sure. Uh, he also misses games, yeah. Uh. Look, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I, after uh, the last decade with the Bulls, I just don't trust young guys that get injured a lot. Uh, I hear you. Especially super athletic ones. So, I guess that applies to him too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 
the Warriors are just, they know how to win in the playoffs. And Steph Curry, even on a down season for him, he's still, there's just really no one like him. And Klay Thompson seems to be back to more or less full health, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, he's not the same defender, but whatever. Yeah. No one was expecting him to do that. It's just awesome that he can be available. Like, good for him, you know? Yeah. And then and then they got freaking Jordan Poole, yeah. who suddenly, I mean, he had a, he started to slump a little bit, but he was, like, their top scorer for the first few games. Yeah, that guy's... Um... And, he's, and he was sick the whole rest of the, like, the end of the regular season. Yeah. He's averaging, like, 18 points a game this year. I don't think they would do this, but they could try to move on from Clay and just have Poole be the new Splash Brother. I mean, his name is Jordan Poole. It's right there, you know? Yeah, it, it does lend itself well to the Splash Brothers uh, theme. But he is on a rookie-scale deal, so he's going to be underpaid for a while, so I guess he could keep Clay for a bit. I don't know. I mean, also, the Warriors, like, love Clay, so I don't think they would want to do that, but if I were them, I would think about it. I would, I would listen to offers. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I think the cool thing, the thing I respect about the Warriors is, like, I know it gets a little bit boring to see them just win every year, and they got the whole annoying, like, tech billionaire ownership thing, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they are mostly homegrown talent, and they're very loyal to their players, and the players seem to be pretty loyal to the team. Like, I don't know. I kind of respect that how they assembled that team, this, like, juggernaut from mostly draft picks, and yeah. that's it. Well, uh, until the summer of 2016. But they also, I mean, they they, got, they signed Iguodala, but... Um, yeah, but, like, who even remembers the pre-Warriors Iguodala, even though he was pretty sick when he was on the 76 Yeah, and the Nuggets. People appreciated him. I know. He actually had a great pre-Warriors career, but he just took on, like, a different type of role with the Warriors that suddenly seemed to, like, even though he wasn't putting up the same numbers, he almost seemed more important. Yeah, but he never won sixth man of the year. It's crazy. I mean, he won finals MVP one year, so I guess it's okay. Right. But still, that guy is definitely the sixth man of the year a couple of yeah. times. I also, he's, I mean, I like Iguodala because he's from Chicago. So. And Steve Kerr, speaking of, you know, we got a 96 bowl coaching them, so we should be more right. into the Warriors. I mean, you lived there, so. That's um, true. For a hot I, minute. I never adopted them as my team, though. Well, I was how could you? For 10 years. Yeah. Well, some people do. Uh, after you've been in a place for 10 years, you know. But I just couldn't, you know, they're also so hyped up, and I felt like I would feel like a bandwagon fan. I, I, nice. I did have a Draymond Green jersey before he was uh, an all-star, before he was great. Nice. I did sell it, but still. Damn it. <laughs> I had a signed Draymond jersey. You sold it before um, he was an all-star? No, I sold it after he was an oh. all-star, and I sold it to a friend. Oh. At probably below uh, about whatever Damn. market value. You can have a second team. It's okay to live in a new place as a Bulls fan and have a second team. That's okay. So I just go no. with like whatever, I don't know, whatever I feel like is my second team. It's just like an open, it's like a wild card thing. Right now it's just Jimmy's team, whatever Jimmy's team is. But uh, it used to be the Spurs when it was Duncan and uh, Ginobili and Parker and Kawhi on the Spurs. Like that was really fun. That was my second team. But yeah. I don't really feel any loyalty to them now. So I hear you. Yeah. And it's not like you would ever become like a Kings fan, even though that's the next geographically, uh, you know, adjacent team. Well, and then I guess now you know in Chicago, like Chicagoans can become Bucks fans because that's like geographically the closest team to Chicagoans. But that feels weird. I mean, it's still cool, like as you can see Giannis live a lot. Yeah. So you could go up to Milwaukee and pay a lot less and see him 
Yeah, and get better seats. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, yeah, good games, closer seats. Yeah. They're probably really, probably my number two right now. And that's fine. I respect that because that's another homegrown talent, and uh, it's a fun team. And like, I mean, Middleton also like they traded. He was like a throw-in for um, somebody. I forgot what the deal was, but he was not a big deal until he came to the Bucks the same summer that Giannis did, twenty thirteen, in a trade. Um, but it was it was like he was not the headline person in the trade. So like you can sort of think of him as like Almost homegrown fair. sort of. And then Holiday they traded a lot for, but he's been great, and he's just super fun. And yeah. Uh, I would love him on America on the Bulls. It's very crazy to me that Lopez is like this defensive guy now. Because remember when he was on the Nets, like he didn't play defense. That was the whole thing. He's like, oh, he's really good at scoring, but he doesn't play defense. And now it's the exact opposite. He's the exact opposite, and also in the fact that he's like a volume three point shooter now. He didn't even shoot threes in the beginning of like the first several years of his career. Right, he's he like jumpers. A, the, he's like the quintessential mid range post guy. Exactly. And then he just started to shoot threes, that, and now he's you know, one of the best big man three-point shooters somehow. It's it's surreal. But, yeah, it's, that's been fun. So, yeah, like, I get it. There's there's only one person to hate on the Bucks right now. And everyone else is like, oh, you know, whatever, kind of fun. Oh, no, there's two. There's two. Sorry, there's two people that hate the Bucks. <laughs> he, looks, he reminds me a little bit of Rod Blagojevich, which just makes him even more hateable. Grayson Allen? Yeah. God. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, then Bobby Portis, like, good for him, whatever. I, I don't like him, but good for him finding his – spot on a championship team yeah he's pretty obnoxious apparently gary payton the second would be the oldest player on the grizzlies roster how is that possible what about steven adams he's probably number one he's only like 28 no way steven adams is only 28 no that's crazy gary payton is 29 steven adams is 28 yep wow he is the oldest looking 28 year old i've ever seen (laughs) This side of, like, whatever Greg Oden looked like when he was 28. Right. Old man Greg. Yeah. All right, James. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking playoffs. Um, by the time this podcast is posted, we will probably know what happened in the first game of Grizzlies Warriors. Presumably, yeah. Warriors win. But, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Know, we'll, we'll have a good, uh, a good sense of how off we'll be on our prediction. We yeah. both said Warriors in five, right? We did. So, if they lose this one, they have to win out. Which they're the Warriors they can do. They could totally do. Which is yeah. I just see. Yeah. I can't believe I don't want either of my scenarios to play out. I want the Grizzlies to win and I want the Suns to win. Just let the record show. Even though I predict (laughs) the exact opposite of that happening. It's not what I want. So I'm rooting against myself. Yeah. You're just looking at the data, you're looking at the eye test and you're going with what looks right to you, not what you want to see happen. Exactly. That's yeah. That's podcasting, okay? Yeah, that's that's true professionalism. You're divorcing yourself from your emotional attachments. Exactly. Cold, hard analysis. Love yes. to see it. Well, thanks for having me on, Alex. This was fun. It's good to chat, catch up on basketball. Thanks for being here. We never do otherwise, right? Yes, so. we never talk about basketball besides this one time. <laughs> All right, go Bulls. Go Bulls.